Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Pirates game was over yesterday before it even started. As disappointing as it might sound, that is where the season is at this point. Is Mitch Keller the team's number one starter, ace pitcher, all-star, the guy who pitched in the second inning for the National League in the Midsummer Classic allowed five runs in the first inning. Multiple runs came around to score, I believe just four, before there was even an out recorded. Mitch Keller's ERA sat in a pretty good spot at the All-Star break. 331 after seven scoreless innings against Arizona. Allowing one hit, he did walk five, but also struck out four and threw 99 pitches. Keller's ERA went up to 373 after the loss against Cleveland. And for some reason, the Cleveland Guardians own the Pirates. It's, they're the only team at this point that owns any team in Pittsburgh. Six innings, 10 hits, eight runs allowed, including two home runs, two walks, and one Somewhat frightening number, would you call it? Only one strikeout for Mitch Keller, 102 pitches overall that he threw. So Keller hasn't been great over a couple of starts in July against the Dodgers. Five runs allowed, four earned, and five innings pitched. Did strike out seven and walked one. The Arizona start, obviously, as fantastic as it was. Also mixed in a start against Milwaukee in the middle of June where he went five innings and gave up four. There's no denying that Keller's your number one starter still and that this seems like it's just trending in the same direction that the whole Pirates franchise is. Right now where you're just continuing to scrap for answers and nothing, and I mean nothing, is going right. I mean, if you look at this Pirates team right now, is there anything that makes you feel encouraged? I don't think you can say yes with a straight face. When you look at the overall box score, there's six rookies in the starting lineup between Henry Davis, Dre Triolo, Andy Rodriguez, Nick Gonzalez, Leova Pagaro, five yesterday, six counting Quinn Priester as the starting pitcher. On Monday, making his MLB debut, and Priester allowed seven innings in five and a third. He went three perfect innings with seven ground ball outs, 
and not a ball leaving the infield in the first three innings as Priester looked solid, but overall, man, there's just, there is not much to ride home about. The Pirates game was over before the first, before they batted, the game was over, partly because you know how bad this offense is trending, and if the Buccos are going to allow five in one inning, especially on consecutive runs and home runs. And it's a good thing that Josh Naylor does not play in the Pirates division. He has absolutely torched this team. Two home runs yesterday. Was a force to be reckoned with on Monday as well. Bo Naylor, a catcher who hits around 215, hit a home run in the first game as well. There's just not much to say. What do you say about the Pirates right now? Connor Joe out in the left. Hooray. Carlos Santana was battling injuries. Andrew McCutcheon has battled injuries in the past month or so. They both got hits in the game, but ultimately did not matter. Henry Davis still playing out in right field. I guess you can be encouraged by the fact that Andy Rodriguez is catching and Austin Hedges is not seeing any playing time. Hooray. That should have happened in May. Nick Gonzalez strikes out a lot. He should be your everyday second baseman with Lyover Peguero. At short, but oh yes, Pagaro 0 for 3, 3 strikeouts, and has not gotten a hit in the first two games. That he has been back in the major leagues after a brief cup of coffee, played one game last season as an emergency call-up from A Altoona, and now back in the big leagues for presumably will be a lot longer of a time, and already is on track to be a lot longer of a time, and we'll see to be sent down today. Andy Rodriguez, 0 for 3, 3 strikeouts. He went 0 for 4 with 3 strikeouts, including the final out of the game on Monday. Rodriguez, at this point, does not look ready. Is not putting together very consistent at-bats at all. This is a Pirates team built on rookies, built on young players. It needs to be built on young players. Rich Hill, who pitches today, you hope you get 1, 2, Probably not. It's likely just two more starts out of them before you trade them at the deadline. What can you get for a 43, 44-year-old starting pitcher whose fastball tops out at 88, 89, maybe 90 miles an hour? Maybe you get a back end of the bullpen arm. Maybe you do something what you traded Daniel Vogelbach to the Mets for and got Colin Holderman. He has faltered at times. He's been really victim to the big inning. But if you can do something like that and trade Rich Hill, get a piece, a 25, 26-year-old bullpen guy, I'll take that. Carlos Santana, you should be able to get some type of piece like that as well for him. Or maybe another depth outfield piece. But do you really need a depth outfield piece? Probably not. You're just looking for pitching at this point. The Pirates drafted seven out of their eight guys on day two of the MLB draft as college arms. With a lot of those guys potentially going to be fast-tracked to try to make it up here to continue to try to help this bullpen, help the rotation, help just the general pitching in general. PNC Park had 21,600 yesterday. On a weeknight against Cleveland in July, when, when you break down that number, probably five, six, maybe 7,000 were all Cleveland. To the point where the Cleveland Guardians own the Pirates. And they're not good either. The American League Central is crap. 
Cleveland is 47 and 48. The Pirates now 13 under at 41 and 54. There's only one guy, one guy, and he won't play this year, who provides the most hope, who could turn this thing around. And even though he's not an everyday guy, he is the guy that's going to be dependent on to save the Pirates, to save Derek Shelton if there's no saving him already at this point, but to save Baron Charrington and his job. We'll get to who that is coming up next. I'm Austin Bechtold. It's the Fan Early Morning Show. We'll be back. 937 The Fan. The Wake Up Show is presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply at 84lumber.com. The weight of the world rests on the shoulders of Paul Skeens. Better yet, the fate of the Pirates organization lies in the hands of Skeens. It's not fair in the slightest, but the hopes and dreams of many Pirates fans and really people around baseball rests on the hands or really the right arm of the 2023 number one overall pick. The Pirates introduced Skeens to the city of Pittsburgh this week, and he met the media Tuesday after signing a contract worth a reported $9.2 million, the most ever allotted to an MLB draft selection. Detroit Spencer Torkelson hold the, held the previous record of $8.4 million, and Skeens instantly shattered that mark. The Pirates have not won a game since selecting Skeens last Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Partly due to the All-Star game, though, providing four days off, but after being swept by San Francisco, losing two out of three to the Cleveland Guardians in blowout fashion, none of the games were close. The skies continue to grow dark. Quinn Priester and Andy Rodriguez debuted Monday in an 11-0 Cleveland round. Priester allowed seven runs in five and a third innings. Rodriguez made the final out of the game to close the book on an 0-4 day that included three punchouts. Paul Skeens is the Pirates' best hope. It's like a Star Wars movie. He is the new hope. He is the Pirates' best chance, the Pirates' best hope. Despite pitching every five days, not being an everyday player, Skeens has the chance to have as high of an impact as anyone in Pirates history this century, even potentially more so than Andrew McCutcheon. Maybe not off the field, but on the field, Skeens has that chance, and he has that talent and potential. And it's a significant reason why Pirates broadcaster Greg Brown Dubbed the pick one of the most important and one of the most important days in team history. Now, Pittsburgh has seen multiple generational talents spanning its three teams since 1970. Terry Bradshaw set the standard for quarterback play after being first overall that year and eventually leading the Steelers to four Super Bowl championships. And the franchise has not picked first overall since. Mario Lemieux single-handedly saved the Penguins. And hockey as we know it, thanks to a magical ping-pong ball that bounced the city's way in 1984. Two championships later, three more as an owner, and 66 is regarded as one of the five best players, maybe one of the top three best players, at least, yes, in my mind, to ever step foot on the ice. Marc-Andre Fleury stabilized the net for the Penguins in the 2008 and 2009 seasons against Detroit and ultimately winning the 2009 Stanley Cup as well as 2016 and 2017, along with the greatest player of my generation. Sidney Crosby changed hockey in Pittsburgh, 
save the franchise once again, this time alongside Mario Lemieux. It was a common theme with that Mario guy. The MVP, three-time Stanley Cup champ, is the ultimate ambassador for hockey on and off the ice, will be a penguin for life, a hockey Hall of Famer for the rest of time, and go down as one of the best players to ever step foot on the ice, one of the best passers, one of the best goal scorers, one of the best overall players in the history of hockey. Now, what do these four legends have in common? They won a lot. A combined 12 championships between them in their playing days, 15 as you count Mario's run as owner, two as a player, three more as an owner. Now, Skeens became the sixth player chosen number one overall by the Pirates in club history in the second in the past three years after Henry Davis in 2021, as well as being the third player in the past 12 years after selecting Garrett Cole in 2011, Henry Davis out of Louisville, Garrett Cole out of UCLA. Davis is in the midst of his first full season in the big leagues. Not even that, his first full month in the big leagues. And the jury is still out on what he can become, both offensively and defensively, because of that grand old plan, the grand old idea that Austin Hedges was great to put out in the catcher position, and Henry Davis should just go play out and right. Sure, our number one overall pick, who's probably got the best or second best bat in our lineup, maybe third, depending on if Jack Sawinski actually decides to hit or not. And let's throw him out there and right and have Austin Hedges catch with his 170 batting average and just depend on the defense. Well, Garrett Cole was an integral part of the Bucks last postseason team. You hope that Henry Davis can do the same, but other players that the Pirates selected number one overall have left significantly more to be left desired. Jeff King in 1986 Chris Benson, a bust from 1996, and Brian Bullington, another bust from 2002, never made it as a star in Pittsburgh. And they never really had an impact, quite frankly, at all. There is a lot of pressure on Paul Skeens to be the savior of baseball in a city dying for something to cheer for, something to be excited for all summer, something to pack PNC Park for and return the feeling of a blackout on the North Shore in the playoffs once again. It was great to have that feeling when Andrew McCutcheon came back for opening day this past year. I was there at PNC Park as it was not the 2013 blackout. I don't know if there will ever be a game unless the Pirates are back in the NLCS or back in the World Series, a place they haven't gone since 1979, where you can truly feel that atmosphere of PNC Park going rowdy, being crazy, being all in for the baseball team with a blackout type of condition like the 2013 wild card, maybe ever again. Paul Skeens was in Pittsburgh the last couple of days, it seems. He was touring the Clemente Museum. There was a picture that went out a couple of days ago of what looked like him at the airport, all ready to go, arriving in Pittsburgh. He was at the Clemente Museum and just checking out the history of Pittsburgh. He was at the ballpark yesterday. He witnessed... The Pirates' disastrous loss. It might have been a good idea to just throw him out there to begin with, maybe as the starting pitcher. You know, of course, you're going to get an aberration type of start, a couple clunkers out there for any starting pitcher, and that's just one of them that was an occurrence for Mitch Keller, and it's just a part of how this team continues to fumble, bumble, and fall apart and throw up on itself. But Paul Skeens, his leadership, his passion for baseball, and, uh, you know, his ability to throw 102 with his slider potentially being a better pitch than his fastball, leaves room for optimism. 
It provides hope as the 2023 season just frankly continues to be hopeless. With Andy Rodriguez striking out six times in seven at-bats, Leova Peguero not being able to put bat on ball, Nick Gonzalez has cooled off a bit, even though he has driven in around 11 runs in his time up in the big league, short time up in the big leagues. He's somebody that you think that you're going to be able to get something out of. Quinn Priester, he doesn't throw 96. He doesn't throw 97, 98. I thought Priester would be more so in the 95 range, maybe even touch 96. I knew he threw in the low 90s, but I didn't expect to see 92, 93 out of them, 94, where it seems like his breaking ball is the better pitch. If he throws the curveball for strikes, he can command it well. He does get a ton of ground balls, but what a difference in innings, really. I mean, from the first half of his start, nine up, nine down, to giving up a ton of runs in the back half of his start and not being able to go out of the sixth inning. Should he have went in in the sixth? Yeah, his pitch count was only in like the 60s, 70s. Yeah, why not put Mitch Keller back out there for the sixth inning? Why not put Paul or anybody? Why not put Quinn Priester, there's the name I'm looking for, back out there for the sixth inning when you're already losing by a manageable amount? But give your rookie a chance to be able to pick himself up, get some redemption, the pitch count is very low, and allow him to go out there and strive to do what he can to salvage his first career start in the major leagues. But the Pirates are continuing to try to scrap for answers. Henry Davis should not be playing right field anymore. Him and Andy Rodriguez should both be playing behind the plate. Now, For Davis just to get his bat in the lineup, you're going to have to keep him out in right for a little bit. That's the harsh reality of it because Andy Rodriguez is going to be your catcher. You're still going with a three-man catcher rotation with Austin Hedges, who you frankly don't want to get rid of right now because you could either try to trade him at the deadline. Why would anybody want Austin Hedges? Well, he's a top defensive catcher in the game. You can stash him as your second catcher when the Cardinals had Yadier Molina for all those years and he caught five, sometimes six days a week. You could even throw Austin Hedges as a backup behind him that you know you're not going to get any laps in production defensively at the catcher position there. You could trade him to Texas. They had Jonah Heim make the All-Star game. Started the All-Star game. Maybe you trade him to another contending team in the American League East where it seems like every single team is in that race. Everybody is, I mean, truly, the Yankees are last place in that division, and what makes you think that the Yankees, outside of hiring Sean Casey as their hitting coach and firing their previous hitting coach in the middle of the season, and the fact that nobody is healthy on that team, that if the Yankees are able to get healthy in August, what makes you think that the Yankees can't make a run at the wild card? They're the Yankees. This is just the type of thing that they do. What about trading Austin Hedges over there? What about trading Austin Hedges really to any contending team at this point? There are teams that are truly out of it that really shouldn't be. The Mets. Are the Padres really still in it? Real question marks to see if they are. The American League Central is a disaster with Minnesota. Cleveland is under 500. Has a chance to be able to get to 500. If the Guardians are able to win the final game of the series, 1235. You could hear it on 100.1 FM and AM 1020 KDKA. Rich Hill will take them out opposite Aaron Savali. 
Cleveland has a chance to get back to 500. What about potentially trading over Austin Hedges there? But regardless, can you really get something for Austin Hedges? Maybe a prospect, an A-ball, a shot-in-the-dark type of guy, a dark horse, just guy that's a straight lottery ticket. And if you play the Powerball, you could win a couple million dollars. Eh, maybe a billion dollars. A couple billion, I think, at this point. But Paul Skeens is that billion-dollar lottery ticket. The Pirates are scrapping for answers, and he's priority number one. Referred to as a unicorn, someone you could build a statue for. You can't just say that somebody you could just build a statue for, and then this guy comes out and is a bust. Or he comes out and is somebody that you shouldn't have high expectations for. Or that you shouldn't expect to be a number one starting pitcher on your team. Somebody to carry you through games. Somebody that can consistently make all-star games. Someone who, when you get him, is the Garrett Cole that you got on the Houston Astros, the New York Yankees, and for the 2013 and 2015 seasons for the Pirates. Where he was in the Cy Young race in 2015. Was not ultimately able to close the door and get it done. But somebody who is able to carry you into the playoffs, but this time have a little bit better results than Garrett Cole instead of getting absolutely torched and lit up by the Cubs and also having to face that guy Jake Arrieta who had a season for the ages, one of the best pitch seasons since 1968. All top teams have an A's that are in the playoffs and that win the World Series, that win playoff games even. A pitcher that no one would trade away or even believe to give away if possible. The Pirates' best shot to to acquire a legit top arm This year, it stared them in the face. The Pirates are not going to be able to go out and sign a number one caliber starting pitcher, and they will not do the same in the trade market because the prospects are too valuable to a small market team or draft capital, developing players, and having prospects that can come out and make an instant impact. It's just too much to ask for to trade a boatload of those guys. Now, you can trade a couple of them, You can trade your number four, number five prospect to try to get a top starting pitcher. And depending on how deep your system is, provides more clarity and a better answer to how you want to try to make that move. But Pittsburgh is not a market where a number one starting pitcher will sign. The Bucs have made their choice. Now it's time for Skeens to show that it truly was the right one. Coming up next, Le'Veon Bell is weighing in on running backs. He also is apologizing to the city of Pittsburgh and the fans. What did Love Bell have to say? What else is going on in the sports world? Let's get to that next here on Sports Radio 937 The Fan. I'm Austin Bechtold with you. It's the Fan Early Morning Show. I'm Austin Bechtold. It's the Fan Early Morning Show. Le'Veon Bell is sorry. He is very sorry. He took to social media to apologize to who what he described as the best damn fans around in football and the Pittsburgh Steelers fans that really did not want to see him go. It was a situation that was tricky with the entire contract dispute. Le'Veon Bell did not end up not playing an entire season, went to the Jets, and his whole entire career fell apart. And it's just another point in emphasis of business in the NFL. And Le'Veon Bell made his decision. He made his bed and... He had to lay in it, and he responded on Twitter a couple of different times to not just 
the fact that he made an apology saying that it's all love with a couple emojis of a black and gold heart and also a bee. The old Killer Bees days were awesome. With Le'Veon Bell, A.B., and Big Ben. All the things that went on behind the scenes that we learned about afterwards. Get your popcorn ready. As Le'Veon tweeted an emoji of, including an eyes emoji, as running backs across the league shared their thoughts on the current state of the position. As Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard were not able to get long-term deals done. Barkley was franchise tagged. Josh Jacobs didn't get a long-term deal done either. He was in the parking lot, reportedly, with Max Crosby, ready to sign on the dotted line. And nothing ended up happening on the Raiders' end to get the deal finalized. Najee Harris, I agree with my running back brothers around the NFL. History will show you that you need running backs to win. We will set we set the tone every game and run through walls for our team and lead in many ways. This notion that we deserve less is a joke. Other running backs... Weighing in this past week after none of the guys that were tagged got a deal done. Christian McCaffrey, this is criminal. Three of the best players in the entire league, regardless of position. Austin Eckler tweeted, this is the kind of trash that has artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we are discardable widgets. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his bag Jonathan Taylor, one, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Two, if you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, three, you boost the organization, and then doesn't matter, you're a running back. I think this is just the harsh reality of running back in the NFL. I mean, it's true that a lot of people just do not think that it's valuable to pay a running back a second contract. Will Najee Harris get a second contract in Pittsburgh? Probably not. Will they pick up the fifth-year option? I would imagine so depending on how the third year goes for Bell and the whole entire organization, a lot of that's dependent on the offensive line. Will, uh, will they pick up the option on Najee Harris, I should say, as Le'Veon Bell said, it's to the point now where I got to tell him play defense, quarterback, wide out, or kicker, straight up. So will Najee's option be picked up? I think so. But you got to have a good 2023 to make me think that that's really the case in year three for him to be worthy of that, especially going into year four. Could they franchise tag him for another year? Sure. But I don't think there's really any way unless Najee becomes Christian McCaffrey or he becomes Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb that Najee Harris gets a second contract, maybe another one-year contract or something for two years. But it doesn't seem very likely that that's going to be the case. Anyway, so Le'Veon Bell continuing to say, it's just kind of sad to say it, but it's just got to be said. I never really thought I'd see the day where I'm really trying to persuade a little kid to play a different position other than running back. And it's tough. The running back position is somewhat devalued. At least that's the case for the current NFL right now. And you should just pay the player, not the position. A lot of people have said that. Saquon Barkley should have got paid. I understand Tony Pollard. I understand Josh Jacobs. He did lead the league in rushing last year. But it was maybe a one-year thing for Jacobs. He's a good back, but he had a substantial year last year. And the Raiders probably want him to prove it a little bit more this year before they command high dollars and a big commitment towards him. Saquon Barkley would probably be the only guy that I would pay. Just because he is the entire Giants offense. Kind of similar to how Le'Veon Bell was to the Steelers. 
but also had a guy named Antonio Brown and, oh, the future Hall of Fame quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. The pre-show is up next. I'm Austin Bechtel at Sports Radio 937 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.